Hey, welcome to episode two of Learning to Preach. And in this episode, we want to talk about how to build an outline. Uh, I'm going to start with two of my favorite preaching books, Biblical Preaching by Haddon Robinson and Christ-Centered Preaching by Brian Chappell. Listen to this phrase from Haddon Robinson. A sermon should be a bullet and not buckshot. That's a great metaphor for what we're after. A sermon needs to be clear, it needs to be concise, it needs to be a bullet and not buckshot. Uh, here's what Brian Chappell says about an outline. A well-planned sermon begins with a good outline, a logical path for the mind. If you had to instruct someone to go from New York to Los Angeles, you would not advise them to head that away. You would provide a map, identifying landmarks to keep them on course in each stage of their journey. Obviously, this book was written before Google Maps. All right, so uh, that's what we're after with an outline, is a clear, logical plan for a sermon. So let's talk about how to build an outline that's, uh, that's decent. Another way to think about an outline, a good metaphor, is think of it as the skeleton of your sermon. All right, your sermon is more than a skeleton. It's going to have some flesh. It's going to have sinews and ligaments and muscles and joints. But the skeleton is, is the basic thing that gives shape to the sermon, just like your skeleton is the basic thing that gives shape to your body. In fact, Brian Chappell has a whole section in his book where he just talks about, hey, one of the things you should develop as a preacher is just a, a folder full of skeletons. Um, now, again, he's writing back in an earlier day when everybody sort of organized with file folders. I actually have an electronic Evernote file that's just a bunch of like ideas of sermons. As I'm reading the Bible and I'm in a passage, and I'm like, oh, here's, here's how this could be preached. I'll just try to capture that. What that helps me do is, over the course of time, I end up with a file full of ideas for sermons. I may or may not ever use them, but oftentimes as I'm planning preaching in future years, I'll think about, hey, I had an idea for a sermon series in that book. Let me go back to that and see if that was any good. So an outline is really just the skeleton, the, the skeletal structure of your sermon. If you've ever taken a public speaking class, if you've ever taken a creative writing class, if you had a good high school English teacher, this is probably not news to you. There's some point in your life where you've been forced to build an outline, and we want to do the same thing with preaching. An outline starts with, obviously, a text or a topic. So your sermon is going to be generally rooted in, uh, here's a text I need to preach on, or here's a topic I've been asked to preach about. So that usually becomes the beginning point for your outline. What is this, what's the outline of this text? What's the focus of this text? Or what's the topic I've been asked to speak about? Uh, next to the text and topic, the most important thing you can do before building an outline is identify uh, what Brian Chappell calls the FCF, which is the fallen condition focus. In other words, here's how Brian Chappell describes this. What is it about this text that requires God's grace in Christ? How does this text point to the fact that we are fallen creatures who need to be redeemed by grace? Uh, Zach Eswine has helpfully built that category out and said, hey, the fall is one category, uh, but you might also think about a fragile condition focus. How does the fragility of our humanity um, communicate a need for grace? A faltering condition focus. How does the inconsistency between what we believe and profess display our need for grace? So there are some helpful categories here beyond just the fall. Think about everything, everything that relates to being human. We're fragile. We're finite. We're limited. Uh, we're faltering in our faith and in our trust and in our obedience. These are all reasons why we need the grace of God. And so uh, let me write those down so that we don't miss them. You guys help me 
fallen condition, finite condition, fragile condition, and faltering, right? So those are Zach Eswine's uh, building out of Brian Chappell's categories, and those are four helpful ways of thinking about, this is what it means to be human. We're fallen, we're finite, we're fragile, we're faltering. In all of these ways, we need the grace of God. So we want to know, as we're, think, as we're preparing to build an outline, what aspect of our fallen or fragile or finite or faltering condition does this text address? As I'm going here, maybe you guys think of some examples that we can come back to there of just how various texts might speak to our fallenness so we can give some, some clarity there. I'm going to go ahead and work through the components of the outline, then we'll come back and talk about them. The next thing you need after a fallen condition focus is uh, what we might just call your thesis. That's going to develop into your big idea. But the idea here is what, what am I trying to say? What's my objective in this sermon? What's the, what, what statement am I trying to make? Uh, what assertion am I trying to prove? What point do I need to communicate? What essential truth is at the heart of this passage and needs to be at the heart of my sermon? Now again, there might be a hundred different ways of phrasing that truth memorably and meaningfully, but at this point you need to get at what's the thesis statement, what's the central point of this sermon going to be? Uh, so as an example, this past Sunday, before we're filming this, I preached on the parable of the unmerciful servant, where Jesus talks about the servant who was forgiven a great debt by his master, then turned around and choked his fellow servant and demanded payment. That parable is quite obviously about unforgiveness, about a lack of mercy. So the thesis of that sermon, rooted, on the thesis, rooted in the thesis of the text, obviously needed to be something about the necessity of forgiveness, the importance of mercy, the, the reality that we cannot experience God's forgiveness without becoming forgiving people ourselves. So you can see there, I can think of a bunch of different ways that I want to say that or communicate that, but it's clear to me at this point when I'm building out, like, hey, this sermon is about forgiveness and unforgiveness. It's about mercy and dispensing mercy to others. That's what the sermon's going to be about. So as, good, as well as you can at this point in your outline, you want to sort of build out a rough thesis statement. Think of this as if you're writing a term paper, this is your rough draft. All right, here's what my paper, my sermon is going to be about. Uh, then, of course, you're going to develop uh, subpoints. Okay, so what do I need to say in order to support this thesis? What, what do I need to build out here? in order to give weight and depth to the thing I want to say. What, are the, what does the text say? What do I need to say? What are, as I say this thesis, what are the questions in the listener's minds that I need to try to tackle or address to help root this and ground this thesis in a way that's biblical and that resonates with their need? Um, and then finally, and I say finally because this is how it actually tends to work in my mind. It might, not, might work better in your mind. Um, is to work out gospel centrality. Okay, so to go back in this text and in your sort of skeleton and say, okay, where is the gospel here? Uh, where do I see Christ, the work of Christ, the redemptive grace of God? How do I need to ground this whole thing in the gospel? Now, this is here for me because I, I just learned how to preach a lot before I even had the category of gospel centrality. So I could do all these other things without even thinking about gospel centrality. Uh, perhaps you're the kind of person who you, you've been shaped in an environment where that can come earlier in the process, where you start to see gospel themes up here. But for me, the way my brain tends to work 
uh, I tend to see the text, the fallen condition. I can usually see a thesis and some subpoints, and then I have to work to say, okay, let me make sure. Let me go back and ask: is the is the person and work of Jesus in here, and how, is God's redemptive grace in here? And if not, where does it need to be? How does this text need to shape it out? Now you can see, gospel centrality is always going to be connected to the fallen condition focus. Whatever the fall is in this text, that's where the grace of God meets us. Okay. And so, in some way, how the gospel speaks to us from this text is connected to what aspect of fallen, finite, fragile, or faltering humanity is revealed in this text. Um, so, those two things tend to be connected. Now, in a future episode, as I've said before, we're going to come back and talk about building out a really full rubric for gospel centrality. For now, I just want you to see, hey, if you have a sermon outline, Here's what you've got on paper probably in front of you or on a computer screen in front of you. You've got a text or a topic that you're preaching on. You've got a fallen, finite, fragile, or faltering human condition that this text speaks to. You've got some kind of a thesis or big idea at least drafted. You've got some supporting material underneath that. And you have a sense of where the gospel fits in this sermon. Now, the rest of your work is going to be refining all that, crystallizing all that, editing all that, taking some of it out, adding some of it back in. There's going to be a lot of work to do from here. But at the very least, an outline for a sermon has this basic structure to it. Now, you can see, and in fact, if you try to learn from preachers who have really clear outlines, uh, Brian Chappell's book, Christ Center Preaching, I think is probably the best book to help you do this, he just basically says, you know, he uses old outlining tools. Here's point one, A, B, C. Here's point two, A, B, C. So he encourages you to think very linearly, just like you would write a term paper, and think about building this sermon in a very clear outline. Whether you think that way or whether the way you think is a little less linear, the point is these things have to be present in a basic skeleton for a sermon before you can begin to do the work of giving it some flesh, adding some color, doing illustrations. Uh, if you don't have your uh, thesis statement yet, but you're already thinking of five good stories, you could tell you're probably going backwards. Back up, let's land on the thesis, get clear on the supporting material, and then you can start to think about how do I illustrate this? How do I color it in? How do I add some, some life stories that make it real to people? Those are important parts of the process, but they need to fit at the appropriate place uh, in the journey. All right, so here's the basics. Guys, fill in some, some color here. As you've learned to do this in your own preaching and as we've done things like this together on Mondays, uh, what are the helpful things we need to add to what I've said or where are the places we need to build some more content? Bob, I'd actually love to hear you explain a little bit more to someone who maybe has never heard of the Fallen Condition Focus. That's a new subject for them. They've, they know how to do a skeleton and build a thesis and subpoints and paint a picture of how Christ fulfills. What's the risk if somebody doesn't think well or know what the fallen condition focus is in a text? Yeah, the, the, the way Brian Chappell talks about it is this. Every scripture is the grace of God addressing some aspect of human fallenness, human weakness, human frailty, human need. If I fail to identify how the scriptures are, are addressing or fallen condition, the sermon will fail to have a redemptive edge to it, a redemptive focus to it. The sermon may be good information, but it fails to, to draw the line of between our brokenness and sin and God's redeeming grace. 
And he says, because all of Scripture is redemptive grace, because everything God has given us is part of his plan and purpose in redemption, we have to help people connect the dots between how God in this text is speaking to an aspect of our fallenness. Again, let me just use my sermon from last Sunday because it's the freshest thing in my mind as a helpful illustration. What's the element of human fallenness in the parable of the unmerciful servant? Well, it's the reality that we all have a tendency to be unmerciful. What Jesus is saying is, how could this servant, after being forgiven a debt of billions of dollars, turn around and choke his fellow servant? Well, Jesus is reminding us because this is what the fall has made us capable of. We, we are capable of treating our fellow humans with that kind of lack of mercy and kindness. And Jesus wants us to see not just, hey, that's not the right way to treat people. Right? The moralistic way of preaching that sermon is, don't be unforgiving like the dumb, unmerciful servant. Don't be that guy. And Brian Chappell talks about the deadly bees, that you can preach sermons that are like, be like this person or don't be like this person. And I've heard the parable of the unmerciful servant preach like, hey, don't be like this unmerciful servant. Be more like Jesus. Okay, great. I still haven't gotten to the element of redemptive grace in that text, right? The redemptive grace is, hey, God has, has forgiven unmerciful people. That's the, 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 what I need to see in that parable is that I am like the unmerciful servant and that despite that, God has forgiven me graciously in Christ. And seeing that and being returned to God's massive grace then empowers me to repent and believe and become merciful. So the differences between that being a character example, don't be like the unmerciful servant, and that being a mirror for me to see the unmerciful nature of my own heart and how God in his grace has answered that very lack of mercy through his abundant grace and mercy in Christ. So if I fail to identify the fallen condition focus, I may preach a true sermon, but it won't feel like a redemptive sermon. And again, I'm not getting up in every sermon and saying, everyone, here's the fallen condition focus of this text. That's just for me as a preacher to know, here's where the grace of God in this text speaks to human need. Yeah, I think that's good because as a young preacher, that's the hardest thing to see in a text, and it's, it takes the most thought and reflection. And I think SYN's other four categories have been really helpful for me as I've tried to get better at finding that. To There's more nuance there, and you can kind of get more into different parts of Scripture when you have those categories. But I think this ties to what we talked about in a previous episode of pastoral burden, especially well yes. to you. If you don't see this, it's going to be hard to know what's at stake if I don't if I don't land that in some manner in a sermon because that's the thing that can you can miss and it's it's a good sermon but it won't really draw people into the story of, of God. Yes. Yeah, Bob, I have both a comment and a question. My comment is this for me is both the most important and the hardest part about preaching. Oh, it's painful. If if I have a good outline, I can almost walk into the pulpit with just that outline and the rest kind of comes naturally. If I have a bad outline, it doesn't matter how much I've manuscripted or how well I've manuscripted, that's not going to be a great sermon. But I also find that I spend a disproportionate amount of time trying to figure this out. Uh, so that's my comment. My question is, you seem to have gotten to a place in your preaching where this is a little bit more intuitive for you. You've kind of got the rhythms and the repetitions in where you've you're more natural and effective at this. So could you bring us into a little bit of some of the process for you of how you get from text down into thesis and so forth? Yeah, I would just say, I actually think maybe like one in four of my sermons has a decent outline. There's three out of four times I'm like, man, I just don't, like this outline, 
isn't as good as it could be. And I always generally feel that on like Saturday. I was like, well, I got to get up and say something, so I'm going to go with what I have. So I want to give some grace here that I, don't, I think like there's a, there's a perfectionistic way we can pursue out. It's just like, hey, what I want you to hear is you need to have an outline. Sometimes it's going to be great and it's going to feel like, oh, this is fantastic. Sometimes you're going to feel like, well, this is the best thing I got. But either way, the reason for an outline is twofold. One, it gives you as a preacher the clarity you said of like, okay, I know what three points I'm going in trying to communicate. And two, it gives your audience a sense of here's the things I'm listening for and listening to. And here's the thesis of what you're going to try to communicate to me. Um, I think for me, to go back to Kevin's point, Trevor, identifying the fallen condition focus has been really helpful because it just it's, it's how I make sure I'm preaching the gospel. If I know I'm speaking to an aspect of the fall and I know what in this text that seems to be, then I'm pretty confident I know how Jesus answers that need. Okay. And then usually what I'm trying to do is just to say, is there a decent amount of creativity or uh, communicative ability in what I've put together here? Uh, it's hard for me. I do this somewhat intuitively because I'm a good writer. And so as a writer, I'm just used to thinking in terms of how to organize material. If you have, if you have a more organized mind like that, this will probably come a little easier for you. If you tend to be more of like a, a wide open creative, building an outline like this will feel like a lot of work. And I, it's hard for me to answer your question because for me it's a little bit intuitive. I'm just wired this way. But that's where I think books like Brian Chappell's book can be really helpful to a novice because Chappell's just going to make you say, hey, um, Keep working on this. Now, I'll give you, Trevor, one thing that I, one tool that I've learned from Haddon Robinson that's helpful to me when he's talking about what is a thesis. Here's two questions. What is this text talking about? So what's the subject of the text? To use the example from Sunday, this text is talking about forgiveness. Okay. And then what is it saying about what it's talking about? Um, that's been helpful to me to ask those two questions. Um, so for instance, sometimes I know, okay, I know what this text is talking about. It's talking about forgiveness and unforgiveness. It's talking about mercy and a lack of mercy. Sometimes it takes me a week to figure out what the text is actually saying about that. What's Jesus's point in telling this parable? Because if I'm, for instance, preaching on a parable, I have to think about what does Jesus mean when he's teaching this? What is Matthew trying to say when he's reminding us that Jesus said this and how does it fit in the whole story Matthew's telling? Why does he put it where he does? You know, those kinds of things. So what is it saying about that topic sometimes is the harder question to ask. But I usually find if I can answer these two questions, what is this text talking about and what is it saying about that? I know I generally have a decent thesis. And the freedom I'll give myself, and for those of you that are newer novice preachers, this is helpful. The freedom I give myself is this. I know if I get in the pulpit and, and I can answer those two things, at least I'm helping people engage with the Bible, the text. I may still feel like I could have done a better job as a communicator being more interesting or having a better thesis statement or being more compelling, but at least I want to know as a preacher, they heard me say what the text is saying, and I'm talking about what the text is talking about. I think that's a win. You know, For all of us that are trying to preach, we just want our sermons to be rooted in the Bible and for people to walk out going, that guy helped me understand what the Bible is saying, and, and what it wants me to know, what God wants me to know from this text. That's good. I think this also for me uh, brings up one of the things that you're constantly challenging us to do, which is querying the text. Yes. 
always asking questions about the text. What is the text saying? Why is the text saying that? Why is it here? Why does it say what would that we way? be missing if it wasn't here? Yes. And I think part of being a good preacher to get to a good outline is just asking good questions. And I've been really helped and challenged by that constant reminder of you need to keep asking more questions of the text. So I think those two things are really, really helpful. And I would just say, this is why preaching every week is hard and why actually it's great to have a month of prep and why when I'm having you guys preach, I try to say, hey, let's get yourself four weeks out because that way you got plenty of time to try to like come up with an outline and then think about it for a week and go, ah, I don't know if that fits. You know, and you just, you want to give yourself the lead time that you need to really do, have all the pain that you need to have here so you can arrive at some clarity. I think the one thing I'd add is thinking about the skeleton is you've been helpful in allowing us, especially as young preachers, to sometimes let the text form the skeleton, yes. or maybe the initial skeleton. Yes. Like one thing we do oftentimes in the room is actually like we might write up a mock outline just from the text of saying like, hey, what's Paul doing here? Oh, he's, a he's asking a question and then answering it. Okay, what if we did a question-answer format? Good. Or like in your last sermon you did, hey, it's talking about the, you know, the sower. It's talking about the seed. It's talking about, like, yeah. I'm just going to show you three things about the sower, the seed, and vice versa, you know, yeah. all these different things. And so sometimes just letting the the scripture actually start to form the skeleton maybe for you, yeah. you know, has been helpful for yes, me. Yes, absolutely. Coming back to a question I asked that I forgot to follow up on, did you guys, as we were talking about that, think of any good examples of, like, oh, here's a text I preached that had a good, here's how I figured out what the fallen condition focus was of that text. Any examples? It's okay if there's not. I can't think of them on the fly either. That's why I was, I was hoping you guys would do my work for me. Yeah, I don't <laughs> have any particular examples, but, it, but it is, it's helpful to have uh, that alliteration that we get there is, is super helpful. But even being able to build that out to give people more handles to grab onto there, thinking in terms of fallen being sin and rebellion, finite, what limitations do we have as human beings? The idea of limitations I think is helpful. Fragility, wounds, and weaknesses is something that we've talked about in the past, and then even seeing faltering as unbelief. Where does our belief just need to be strengthened? Yeah. I think being able to see the diversity of, of our human condition apart from the grace of God yeah. um, gives you a lot of opportunities to come at it in a different way. That's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And various texts set themselves up. If you're preaching Cain and Abel, you're probably preaching clearly a fallen condition yeah. focus. This guy's murdering his brother. If you're preaching the Psalms, you're probably more in the category of frauds or faltering. This is David, who loves the Lord, being honest about his fragility and the places where he fails to trust God and where he struggles to believe the truth. So based on what genre of Scripture you're in, it might be that one of those four things sets up more cleanly as, as, your, focal, as your focal point. Yeah, I was even thinking Psalm 8 or Job for finite. Just like when we can't see everything that God sees, it, it inhibits our ability to be obedient sometimes. So... Whenever those texts come to mind, it's like, oh, we don't, we don't actually have the whole picture. So Scripture is giving mm -hmm. us this picture. We can see as God sees, and now we're called to something different out of our finiteness. Yes. We've spent a lot of time preaching through the Psalms together as a team, and the Psalms can be really challenging because they don't, they don't oftentimes have a distinct way that sin's presenting or rebellion rebellion's presenting, but you do see Psalms that highlight the sovereignty of God. And for us to acknowledge that, hey, actually, this really reveals our finiteness. Good. We are not sovereign. God is. Why is that good news Okay, that's us? a great example. Because, uh, so I have a psalm that's just a, a, 
an ascription of praise to God for his sovereignty. Yeah. What, what, is, what aspect of my need is that addressing? It's addressing the fact that I'm not sovereign and I feel my finiteness. And so resting in the sovereignty of God, this scripture is here to help us as the people of God rest in his sovereignty. That's a great example. The text itself doesn't have some element of the fall in it, but the text speaks to an element of our weakness that God is intending to strengthen. We have, the, we have the benefit of being able to work a lot of this stuff out as a team. So many people don't. Um, I, I think what I feel, maybe what I've seen in my own experience and some other people communicating is just almost a disproportionate amount of time spent in preaching on things that happen after this versus actually just spending quality time here early on. I like the encouragement from Brian Chapel of like, hey, build out an outline and just, you know, it's spring training yeah. for the communicator. Like yeah. you just gotta do this and you gotta learn the muscle memory. Um, but I just know how many conversations we've had where somebody will come up with a really good idea and an illustration that they really wanna bring to the surface, but they've gone too far past yeah. the building the outline. So maybe for the, for the solo preacher, the solo communicator doesn't have a team, yeah. how can they ensure that they've done a thorough job mining the text to, to be able to move from this into the next phase? Um, ask yourself these two questions in red. What is this text talking about? What is it saying about that? Am I clear on those two things? And then that 3 a.m. test we talked about in a yeah. previous episode. If, I, if someone grabs me in the middle of the night, can I, do I know what I'm saying yet? If the answer is I got a great story I'm gonna tell about my kids, but I don't know what I'm saying about the text. All right, bad, you know, let's back up and, and get more, more built out in the skeleton. All right, so there's your uh, instruction on how to build an outline. I hope that begins to help you. And again, I wanna point you to Brian Chappell's book, Christ Center Preaching, uh, where he has some really helpful stuff on this if this is a place you need more training and more expertise. Uh, in the next episode, we'll talk about the basic elements of a sermon and kind of build on this a little more.